Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I hope you all had a chance to worship with us last night in our uh, Christmas Eve service. And as we continue today, uh, we want to talk more and more about Jesus since this is his day. My name is Jeremy. I'm the preaching pastor here. And on behalf of the elders and pastors and the rest of the staff, we welcome you to Midland Free. I'd like to tell you the story today, the greatest story ever. And what's particularly interesting about it, and I'm going to actually do this morning's uh, sermon a little bit more in depth. Last night, we sort of focused on the basics, but I'm assuming this morning in some way, since we're a smaller crowd, that this is sort of the committed few. And if you aren't a Christian and you don't understand some of the stuff I talk about, that's okay. We'd love to talk more with either the person you came with, or you can contact me later in the week. But today we're going to take just a little bit of a deeper dive, hopefully to show you some things in the Christmas story that perhaps you may have never seen in your entire life before. And so, welcome to the greatest story ever told. Now, interestingly enough, um, the story begins with tremendous irony. And as you know, in keeping with the way I like to see the big picture of things, is that um, this story is not an isolated incident, but instead a microcosm of the larger whole, that God's plan of salvation is eternal, gargantuan, and cosmic in scope. That it is not like, oops, all of a sudden this day I decided to have a baby. Instead, this is a huge event. This is a pinnacle, but it is really a piece of the larger whole. So going back then to the very beginning And I do want you to key in on that word beginning, because today is the story of the beginnings of all beginnings. Going back to the beginning, it is he who made Adam that actually became an Adam, that he might do what Adam could never do. In other words, the theme for today is that Jesus is the beginning, that is, Jesus is the genesis of all good things. Jesus is the Genesis. Hook on to that word. If you're looking down at your lap, now's the time to look up. This is a key word. Jesus is the Genesis or beginning of all things. Let me read to you the story from Matthew chapter 1. We're most familiar with the Luke 2 passage. That's the one Linus quotes quotes in the Charlie Bound Christmas. But this one is just as significant. Luke 2 comes from Mary's perspective It gives sort of her vision of the experience, which we know there's a woman's perspective and then there's a man's perspective. And today is Matthew chapter 1, which comes from Joseph's perspective. And it says this. Are you ready? This is Matthew chapter 1. There's no slides. Uh, You have a Bible. If you want to read along, you can in uh, verse 18. But this is how it goes. You've probably heard this before. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, says, Now the birth of Jesus, stop. Perhaps you expected me to read a bit further, but at this point, something absolutely incredible has happened. And many who are Christian would say, Wow, yes, I get it. You know, the infinite, the divine, the deity became human. But it even goes beyond that. In the original language, it says, Tau de Jesu Christu, he genesis atas he. 
Let me say one of the words again, genesis. Genesis. Which word do you think that is in English? Birth. The word here for birth is actually the Greek word genesis, genesis. And the author Matthew, I believe, is doing that entirely intentionally under the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. And what he's doing is saying, hey guys, look, in the beginning, in the Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Jesus. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, of all things most ironic, in the beginning was the one who was from the beginning, and now this was his beginning. In the beginning, Jesus was born. He who was from the beginning and had no beginnings now has a beginning. And perhaps that blows your mind a little bit, but let me explain it to you theologically. This is the way it works in theology. Jesus, God, the, no, take away that Jesus name. Let me say it like this. God, the son, the second person of the Trinity, the member of the Godhead is eternal. But at some point in time, from our limited human perspective within this space-time continuum, God the Son took on flesh and became the God-man. So at some point, that which was forever and had no beginnings and infinitely was, became. And what he became was an addition to what he was already, and that was human. So God the Son became the God-man. I know that's a bit profound because we are locked in to this way of thinking. He who had no beginnings actually had a beginning, but not an original beginning, but a beginning as a human being. That, in other words, that which was promised long ago is taking place. Let me read it to you from one author, uh, well, a Greek scholar. He says this, This is not the genesis of heaven and earth, but the genesis of him who made heaven and earth. In other words, the story of Christmas is the genesis of Jesus, the God-man. So let's read that again then, and I'll go back through those same verses, and I want you to hear that in it as I read. Matthew chapter 1, 18 Verse 18 says this, Now the birth, the genesis of Jesus, the Christ, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is from Joseph's perspective, so that's a problem. And her husband, being Joseph, being a man and being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen to the beauty of the way in which this text unfolds. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Exactly right. Now, let me say it a different way. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Because in Genesis, God said, let there be light. And in Matthew, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And in him was life and the light of men. This is a story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The author of Genesis is fulfilling the promise of Genesis in himself. He himself is the light of the world. He himself is the beginning of all good things. He is the beginning of heaven and earth. He is the one who upholds it by its power. In him, we live and move and have our being, and all things are held together. Jesus is the genesis or beginning of all good things. Now watch this story unfold, and it's absolutely beautiful. The theme of the special presence of God goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve walked with God. At that point in time, before the fall, they had Emmanuel. They had God with us. But then they sinned, and that sin separated them from God, and God is no longer with them. There is no longer God with us. But the promises of God is that he will restore his fallen creations and bring them back to him again so that once again they may walk in unison. And so you watch, for example, in Genesis, there is the Emmanuel of God walking with them. And then in Isaiah, you get further promises where the prophet says, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in Matthew, When Jesus comes onto the scene, Matthew informs us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Emmanuel. He says, you're going to call his name Jesus, and behold, you're going to call him Emmanuel, and that means God with us. So you're watching this whole thing crescendo and build, and all of a sudden, there it is, right in front of you. Now, that alone would be really cool. And you'd say, wow, cool, Jesus fulfilled it. But it doesn't end there. As you follow the book of Matthew and watch this theme of God being with us, you in fact see that that is the fulfillment of that promise, that is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, is the emphasis of the book of Matthew. So at the very end of the book, in Matthew chapter 28, when he gives the Great Commission, that thing that all evangelists and mission-oriented people focus on, what you will find is, as an inclusio or literary device in which the author starts with the same thing and ends with the same thing, is the emphasis is not on our job, but instead on Christ's person. 
Let me say that again. Believe it or not, the emphasis of the Great Commission is not on what we do, but what, on who Christ is. Why would I say that? Well, the very last words of Matthew are these. Remember, the first and last words of the author are often the most important. And here it is. Behold, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, even until the end of the age. Behold, that Emmanuel is now fulfilling the promise to be with them forever. As we follow the narrative or unfolding of the gospel throughout the book of Acts, you see that Jesus goes away, but his promise is fulfilled in the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. So that via the unity of Christ and the Spirit, now Christ is with us always, constantly, because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So the promise of God to be with us forever is fulfilled in Jesus, who gives us the Spirit to walk with him once again, as we did in the garden. And I think, in my mind, it's an absolutely beautiful picture because what you see is through this long historical process, slavery in Egypt, wilderness wanderings, sinful judges, faithless kings, even despite all of the sin and ridiculousness of humanity, God's promises never fail. When he says to Jacob in Genesis, Behold, I am with you, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you, he means it. And when he says to us in Matthew and in Philippians that he who begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it, he means it. And when he says, I am with you even until the end of the earth, he means it. God fulfills his promises to do what. Adam and we ourselves never could. Behold, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. One commentator sums it up like this. He says, despite the Great Commission, Matthew wants to end his gospel centering more on Christ's attributes than on the disciples' task. Yes, we must go and obey his commission, but the final word of the gospel remains Christ-centered. Even when we fail, Jesus remains faithful. That's a reason to celebrate Christmas. That's exciting to me. I mean, I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to do good things and I try, but sometimes I still fail. And I'm guessing there are people in this room who do too. Do you fail? I do. And yet, even in spite of ourselves, God will accomplish his purpose. Consequently, therefore, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says it like this. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him through Christ. For you will bear a son and call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Walking that out then, the very last picture we receive, we, got, we saw the Jesus in Genesis, we saw the Jesus in Isaiah, we see the Jesus in the beginning of Matthew and the end of Matthew, and then we see the Jesus who comes in Revelation. And even there, he is fulfilling his promises. 
Here's the picture of the new heavens and the new earth in chapter 21 of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. This is the new Eden coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, oh, look what happened. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. Emmanuel, God with us, and they will be his people, and he will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and that thing we suffer from now will be gone, and death will be no more. There will be no mourning, no crying, nor pain, for everything former has passed away. The one who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Praise be to our Creator, our Redeemer, our Restorer, our God, and our Savior the only begotten Son of the living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for this incredible, incredible gift you've given us called Christmas. What a blessing, the birth of Jesus, God's only Son. From the very beginning, you had it all planned out, and there's no surprises to you, even though every day there's surprises to us. We pray, God, that as we wait for his return, that he would continue to walk with us, to rule in our hearts, cause us to submit to him and love him and serve him all the days of our lives until we receive that ultimate gift, our final homecoming, in which death and dying will be no more and you wipe away every tear from our eye. We pray all this in accordance with your perfect will, the name of your mighty Son, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.